Psalm chapter 18. We've been singing about it tonight, and we're going to also look at it in God's Word again. We looked at it last week. Psalm chapter 18, uh, we're going to read verse uh, 1 and 2. Um, and when you get to Psalm 18, if you'd stand with me tonight, Psalm uh, chapter 18, and uh, sorry, we'll read uh, from verse 1 through to verse 3. Just when everybody's there, Psalm chapter 18. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's read it together. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We pray tonight that you would anoint it, that you would speak to us, and by the power of your spirit, that you would come among us tonight, and that you would do a work, Lord. You would honor your word, Lord, that you would come as the mighty deliverer. Lord, we're believing for a mighty deliverance in these days. So, Lord, would you come, glorify your name, touch us afresh, we pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats together tonight. So, last week, we are looking at this uh, subject and the reality of the Lord being our deliverer. He is a mighty deliverer. And there are two words uh, two primary words in the Greek that we have been looking at last week. Uh, one of those, the first w- word that we looked at was a Greek word that simply means for a, a rush or a current of water to come. Rahomahi is the Greek word, Rahomahi, which means uh, to come like a flow of water and to bring a deliverance or break through. And we particularly looked at the internal aspects of deliverance, particularly in the mind of many people are being troubled in their mind. And you know that river speaks, of course, of the Holy Spirit and that river of life that comes to bring a deliverance in the mind. And we know tonight uh, that there is great trouble. Uh, The great battle that goes on is in the mind. That's where the warfare is for every believer, that great battle that comes the fiery darts of the enemy, the fear, everything that comes against uh, the mind of the man or the woman of God. But we know that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. That's the promises of God. But we know in times under the pressures of the trials or things that we go through. We looked at different aspects of that last Wednesday. Perhaps it can be in times of our own sin, our flesh, our carnality. It can be a direct attack, a satanic attack on the mind. But whatever way it comes, we know that Jesus Christ is still our great deliverer. He was, and he is, and he will be. That's what Paul says. He delivered me yesterday. And from that experience, I know he'll deliver me now. And tomorrow, whatever I face, I know that the Lord will deliver me again. And we looked at David. You remember when he came up against that giant, he had a testimony in his life of God's great deliverance power. He delivered me from the burr and he delivered me from the land. So I know when I stand before this giant that the Lord's going to deliver me again. He had a testimony of God's great deliverance power. And I know I look across this room and there are lives all around us here tonight have a testimony of God's great 
delivering power. Isn't that right? Hasn't God delivered you before? And with that assurance then in the time that we are in, the trial that you're going through, the trouble that you may be facing because of his past deliverance, Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means he's going to be my deliverer today, and tomorrow he'll be my deliverer too. And it's standing on the promises of the Lord, knowing that he can come at any moment in that river of life, that peace like a river when it attendeth your way. When Christ comes, that river of the Holy Ghost just brings that peace to that heart. It's a wonderful thing to experience the river of life. There's another Greek word that's found and used of the English word uh, to deliver, and that is a word exerio, and that simply is different in its action. And it is figuratively speaking to bring a rescue or to pluck out or to release. And there's it's taken from a root word that simply figuratively means to lift up that there's an instantaneous delivering power of God to lift a man or to lift a people instantaneously by the supernatural power of God to lift them clean out of their circumstances, to set them free in an instant. And so we understand in life and sometimes more and more in this life because there's so many trials today. People are going through so many things. There's so much happening in lives and homes and families, there's so many pressures. There's a great pressure in this world. There's a great intensity. There's a spiritual intensity in the hour in which we're living. You feel it, don't you? You can sense it. Every believer, you're walking with the Lord. You'll know you feel the spiritual intensity of the day in which we're living. And this word here, this Greek word, speaks of an instantaneous supernatural deliverance by God, just instantly. Now, we have nearly become accustomed to believe that we must just accept everything as it is. Whatever it happens, it happens. We'll just somehow have to plod through the battle, take the headwind, go through the trial. This is what it is. It's just all trials. Well, there is a truth in that because for the majority of the time, we're experiencing these battles for the purpose of God working in our life. And Paul the Apostle, probably more than anyone outside of Christ, Paul the Apostle was someone who experienced many trials, tribulations, troubles. I mean, it's just remarkable the life that he lived as a believer. Like when he lists the afflictions and the torment and, and the shipwrecks and, and the opposition and, and church people turning away from him and being left on his own and imprisoned and everything of what he went through and beaten and everything left for dead and then raised up by the power of God to go back in again and preach the gospel again. He experienced what it was to go through the trials by the enabling power of the grace of God. It was a supernatural enabling. And you and I may not feel that we are really living a overcoming victorious life. But you know, it's never to do with your feelings. And if I was to go by or you were to go by your feelings a lot of the times, you probably wouldn't leave the house. But you just know in the life as a believer, as a soldier, that you get up and you put the 
one foot in front of another, and somehow, by the grace of God, you march on. And you don't, don't sure you don't always feel that, hey, I'm on top of the world. I know, I know some people like to present that's what it is, but it isn't that. The reality of the Christian life is that there's mountaintops, and sometimes the valleys are much longer than the mountaintops. When the mountaintops come, they're great. I mean, you enjoy it, but you know you're only there, the peaks like that, but the valleys like that. So you know the valleys a wee bit longer. But Paul talked about a life that he was living, a real life. You know, it wasn't a make-believe life. It's a real life. The Christian life's a real life. Actually, you know, people say the Christians are weak. I think one of the greatest things is to be a believer, to be a soldier of the cross. I mean, I believe it's courage for a, a man, a young person, an older person to make a stand for Jesus and say, this is my lot. This is where I'm going. This is all out for him. And the world may laugh and sneer, but I really believe it takes courage to stand for the Lord, especially in these days. But one of the things that Paul talked about was in that life uh, was the enabling power of God to bring him through. And we, we know this. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he received these revelations direct from the Holy Ghost, inspired by God to pen these words down. And so God had a purpose in what he was doing. And he said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations I was receiving there was given to me, and here's where he talks about a thorn in the flesh. Thorn in the flesh. Doesn't sound nice, sure it doesn't. Nobody really would want a thorn in the flesh, but there was a purpose of God in putting this thorn in the flesh of Paul, the servant of the Lord. This thorn in the flesh, of course, has been debated for since Paul penned the words, what was it? Some believe that he was losing his eyesight. He had the right beggar. He was dependent on others to get him from one place to another. There was a sense of humility in that and a humbling in that, that he, that he was frail through his... But we really don't know. The Bible doesn't explicitly tell us what his thorn in the flesh was, but he doesn't leave it there. He goes a little bit further to tell us of what this, what this was. He says, there was a messenger of Satan. Think about what he's saying here. There was a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Think about this. This was all permitted, whether, whatever way you want to look at this, but this was completely permitted by the sovereign hand of God on the life of one of his children. God allowed it to happen. You hear me tonight, friends? I know there's an awful lot of stuff that talks about the believer never experiences any trials or any difficulties. It's all health, wealth, and everybody's great. But I want to tell you, friends, that's not the reality of a soldier of the cross. That's not the reality of enduring the hardships that will come into your life. We've got to be real, isn't that right? So what was given to him was a thorn some type of ailment, some type of trouble came into the life of, of Paul and he called it a messenger of Satan. This wasn't just, I'll just add this in to make it sound better. This was the reality of what he was experiencing. There was a messenger of Satan that became like a thorn in his flesh to buffet the apostle. It was buffeting him. 
The word buffet means there in the original to rap with a fist. This was something that was really getting to him. Something that was really afflicting him. Something that was really coming against him. And it was all permitted by God himself. It was permitted by the Father. And the reason was that it was to keep Paul in a place of dependence totally on him. Because he's receiving revelations. And, and if he didn't have, if he did not have the buffeting, the buffeting of the Lord permitted through this messenger of Satan, Paul and himself, because his flesh would have rose up in the pride of his own flesh and said, you want to, you want to hear the revelations I have? I, I think I'm going to write a book about it to tell you the great things that the Lord shows me. Does he show you anything? But he shows me, listen, you want to listen to me of the revelations that I have. And much of what's happening today in Christendom is men that are just spouting off of what they think who they are and how great they are and it's all about them but Paul's purpose was it's all about him and the mercy of God was that God would put this thorn in his flesh a messenger of Satan to buffet him lest I should be exalted above measure now in the trial what does he do the trial's real the buffeting the messenger of Satan's real there's some of you in this meeting listen there's some of you in this meeting tonight there's some in this meeting tonight that are experiencing the buffeting or a messenger of Satan. It's actually happening. It's taking place in your life. You know it's taking place. You know that there's something that's wrapped. There's something that's it's like a thorn in the flesh. It's something that's there. It's constant. And Paul cries to the Lord in the midst of it. It was so severe upon him. Look what he says in verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that this might depart from me. In other words, what's he asking? Lord, deliver me from this. I know who wrote that he's a deliverer. Paul himself. What did the Lord say? We must know that. We must know that. And we do know that. But sometimes the dark clouds of life Seem to veil his face. Not true. Isn't it true? Sometimes some of the greatest men that followed the Lord in time have gone through some of the most darkest of nights, nearly doubting even if they were saved. And yet then the morning comes. The morning comes. And so he cries to the Lord, and the Lord says, The Lord answers. Doesn't he hear and answer prayer? Lord, deliver me from this. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. How many times did Paul pray for deliverance? Three times. Did the Lord deliver him? No. But did he answer him? Yes. So then Paul says these words, Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities for this purpose. What did he say? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, listen to his language now. Therefore, I take pleasure in mine infirmities. Hold on a second, Paul. Paul, do you, do you mean this? I take pleasure in my infirmities. I take pleasure in my reproaches. I take pleasure in necessities. I take pleasure in persecutions and in distresses for Christ's sake. Why? Because see, when I'm weak, 
then actually I'm strong. Many people feel really weak. I mean, weak spiritually. I want to tell you something. You're at your strongest place you've ever been on. Because the whole kingdom is opposite to the mindset of the world. The world is that when you're the strongest and the biggest, and when you're the happiest and when you've got the most, you've made it. The kingdom's different. It's when we're weak and when we're nothing. He says, I can use you to do the great and the mighty because it's not you, but it's the power of Christ upon you. And who gets the glory in it? He does. He's crying out for deliverance. We've all experienced this. Everyone in this room is a believer. You've experienced this. The grace of God is sufficient. Many people can say amen to that. The God's grace, isn't it enough? The enabling power of God, the grace of God to bring us through. How did you get through it? Can you ask the question if you just stop for a moment, not to look back in unbelief, but just look back over your life, maybe the last year, two years, three years, five years. If you just stop for a moment and just look over your shoulder, down the path that you've trod, through the valleys and through the mountains and through the, the lion's den and through the prisons and through the, the, the sicknesses and through the trials and through the troubles and through the times of nothing and somehow or another, you're here tonight. How are you here? By the grace of God. Thank God for it. Embrace it. Not only that, but rejoice in it. But then there's another deliverance. And that's an instantaneous deliverance that God comes in a moment. He stretches forth his hand. The, the trial has been intense. The time has been dark. The prison has been unbearable. The heat has been turned up. You haven't walked away, but you're in the midst of it. And then suddenly by the supernatural power of Almighty God, he comes down and he delivers. He delivers. And the church can't forget this, friends. There's a supernatural power. And I want to show you tonight in Scripture where this word is used. If you turn into Acts chapter 7, it's the sermon of Stephen. Stephen was about to be stoned to death at the end of this message for those who don't know. But this was his last sermon. What a sermon it was. Acts chapter 7 and verse 9. At the end of this great sermon, they were about to stone him to death. He was about to go home to glory with the Lord. But in Acts 7 and verse 9, he speaks about a man in the Old Testament. We know him well. His name is Joseph. And this is what he said. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. And, but God was with him. Look, look what it says. But God was with him. How do we know? The Bible promises us whatever we go through, there's a promise that he's with us. We, we gotta know, I know we know these scriptures well, but he has said that he will never leave us or forsake us. And so he is now sold. He's betrayed by his own brethren, the patriarchs, but God was with him. Now it says in verse 10, and delivered him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. 
This is a wonderful story. We know it well. I don't want to go through it too deep tonight, but take just a snippet of a could from the message of Stephen. We know what happened to Joseph. We know that he was betrayed. We know that he was cast into the pit. He was sold into slavery. We know God was with him. We know that he was brought down into Egypt. We know that Potiphar's wife tried to lie with him and, and then lied upon him. We know then he ended up in prison. We know that he was through a trial of 13 odd years of, of all of these things that went on in his life. But God was with him. But then at the end of that time, there was an instantaneous, there was the grace to see him through all that. But then at the end of that time, verse 10 says, And God delivered him from all his afflictions. Instantaneously, supernaturally, by the power of God, God came down to Joseph where he was and delivered him from all his afflictions. Now what does God do when he delivers someone? Look what happened. Look what happened here. Not only did he deliver him from all his afflictions, but the second thing is, look what God does when the deliverance comes. He gave him favor. And wisdom. God not only come down to deliver Joseph. God not only will come down to deliver you friend tonight. But not only does he deliver us. The second thing that he does is. He will give us favor. And he will give us wisdom. But he doesn't end there. Because then it says. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Listen to what God. He not only delivered him. This is our God. This is what God does for his people. He not only comes to deliver his people. To deliver you individually. But secondly. He wants to give you favor. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you knowledge. And what way you should go. And how you should live. How you should walk. Where you should go. The purpose and the plans that he has for your life. And not only that. He doesn't want to end it there. But he wants to make you. He wants to give you, he wants to make you the governor. He wants to give you authority. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you victory. He wants to give you blessing. He wants to lead you and guide you. He's a great deliverer. Not only does he deliver, he gives. Isn't he a God that gives us? Doesn't he give and give and give and give again? Are you blessed tonight? He delivers. You're sitting here tonight and you're saying, well, Tim, oh... I need that deliverance. I want to tell you something. He's a deliverer. We're talking about a type of deliverance when the power of God comes down, reaches into a personal circumstance, reaches into something in our homes, in our lives, in our families, whatever it may be, reaches into a community, reaches into a church, reaches into a... Do you know what our nation needs at this moment? Our nation needs deliverance. That's what it needs. It needs delivered from fear, from the powers of darkness, from the spirit of Antichrist, from the Laodicean spirit, from the apostasy that it's in, from the, from the grip of Satan and darkness. Do you know what the nation needs? Do you know what Ulster needs? It needs the delivering power of God. And has he changed? When he comes down, he comes to deliver, he comes to give, and he comes to make. That's what God does in a life. We find this also with the Apostle Peter. If you turn over into Acts chapter 12, we'll find the same word, this great word deliverance again that comes to rescue, to pluck, to lift up in an instant. In Acts chapter 12, where do we find Peter? We find Peter in prison. 
He's in prison for the gospel. He's in prison for the preaching of the gospel. In verse 6 it says these words, Acts 12. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. That looks pretty impossible to me. But doesn't God deal with impossibilities? You know, you might in a figurative sense be finding yourself in this place. That you're bound, you're in prison, there's chains, there's keepers. You don't see a way out of this. You don't see a way through it. How many people have been there before? Would you put your hand up nice and high? Just in case there's someone else thinking it's only me. Every believer has been here. Isn't that right? Every believer has been in this place where you haven't seem to find a way through. It seems as though those soldiers, those demonic spirits are holding. It seems the chains, it seems the keepers, it seems the door, the prison's locked. Verse 7 says this, And behold, praise God, doesn't matter about the demons and the chains and the prison. Behold, it says, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a great light shone in the prison. Do you know that's the instantaneous delivering power of Almighty God to come right into where you are, where I am. And this is what happens. They smote Peter on the side. Do you know, I believe that the church needs to be smote. I, I really believe the church needs to be smote. It's asleep. It's sleeping. Some, some might use this in the sense of that he wasn't worried about what was going on. But I think we should be concerned about what's going on. I think we should be concerned about the world that's going to hell as fast as it can. I think we should be concerned about our loved ones that if Christ comes back tonight, they're going to a lost eternity forever and ever. I think we should be concerned about the spirit of Antichrist has infiltrated our politics and every aspect of our society. We should be concerned about young people that are, are looking the only way out to take their own lives. We should be concerned about men and women that are trapped by the powers of darkness finding no hope in this world and don't know where to turn to. We should be concerned about the prostitutes. We should be concerned about the homosexuals. We should be concerned about those that are broken and maimed and overcome by the powers of darkness. We should be awake. But the church is asleep. You know what we need? We need smoked by the angel of the Lord. That seems a bit rash, Tim. I tell you, If you know where we are, if you understand where we are spiritually as a people, as a nation, as a church, then I want to tell you, friends, more than ever before, the church needs to be smote by the angel of the Lord. Wake up! Wake up! Friends, when I hear of some of the things that are going on in the church scene, I tell you, it makes you weep. When you hear the the, the apologies for the church, that the church should be shut down, it should be in its home, it should be leading the way, it shouldn't be opening up, it shouldn't be in, it shouldn't be opening its doors, it shouldn't, needs to lead its way, it needs to just bow its head and its knee to that, to that statue like those three boys that all, didn't do all those years, but we just need to bow down and worship the spirit of Antichrist, and just be quiet and just go away somewhere. We don't want to hear what you have to say. I want to tell you, friends, the church needs smoked. It needs, I might sound, now that's extreme, but I don't believe it is extreme at all. 
We need to awaken. There needs to be an awakening to the delivering power of God, to the hour in which we're living, to the time which we've come to. Knowing that we've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. What's happening? We're sleeping. Most of the church is asleep, friends. I'm telling you, it's asleep. We had a man call at our door yesterday. He's a lovely man. He's a believer. Listen, it's funny, but it's actually tragic. It's actually tragic if you think about it. The reason why they're not coming back to church at the moment is because they have all the windows open on Sunday morning and his dear wife's hat blew off because the wind was too strong. And she's chasing her hat up the aisle and we can't come back at the minute because the wind... Listen, souls are plunging into hell. Think about it. We'll not be back for a few weeks until they close a couple of windows. Listen, friends, it might be too hot sometimes in here. It might be too cold. But see when it becomes your focus. It's time you got a ticket and headed over to Nepal and spent about three months up those mountains in that wee church that we were in. And then you'll come back and you'll not care whether it's hot or whether it's cold. You'll just be thankful that you've got a building and the rain's not pouring through the roof, and you've got clothes in your back and a good meal in your belly. That's what you'll be thankful for. But brother, it's too hot. But brother, it's too cold. Listen, friends, we need to waken up. We need to waken up. It's a tragic hour. It's a tragic hour that we're complaining too many windows are open. I'm not talking about here. I hope it's not here, but it's a tragic. You can't get those windows open anyway. Don't try. It's a tragic hour when we're complaining about the windows and our hats being blown off. We need the wind of God, the blowing hearts. That's what we need. The church needs to be smote. Why? Because it's asleep. I'm going to heaven. My name's in the book. Thank God it is. But I want to tell you something, the reason why we're here. We do want to make a mark in this world for Jesus Christ. And what did the angel of the Lord say? He said, rise up. Church, we need to rise up. I tell you, you may not even feel like it. I can tell you something. I don't feel like it in my natural body. I may not even feel like it. You may not feel like it. But I tell you, we must rise up, but rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of the Lord says, arise up quickly. You see what's happening? There needs to be a quick work today. I believe this. You know, I know there's a time testing. Many years ago, a brother said to us, when we just started the work, I'm going to pray that God would do a quick work. He didn't. He didn't do the quick work, but he did do a work. And I understand what that brother's heart was because his passion was to see a real work done quickly for the, for the kingdom of God. But I want to tell you something, friends. God, by his grace, has brought us through many trials and tribulations, brought us to this place, blessed nearly, I can say, with with the thanks to God tonight, has blessed every part of this work, every mission, every ministry of this work, every person. We are a blessed people. You may not think that. I want to tell you, you're blessed. I want to tell you, friends, don't be going out of here, down in the dumps. You're blessed. You are blessed. I'm telling you, friend, whether you feel like you're blessed tonight. You're blessed. 
But there comes a time there needs to be a quick work. What did the angels say? Rise up quickly. Rise up quickly. Why? There's an urgency. You hear me tonight, friends? There's an urgency. We gotta, we gotta forget some things which are behind. We gotta. There might be a messenger of Satan. God might say, "I'm putting that there for a purpose." But I want to tell you, friends, we still need to rise up quick. And when he did, what happened? His chains fell off his hands. The angel said, "See the chains that's holding the church at the minute." You say, "Tim, there's no chains holding the church." I want to tell you, the church. You know that book, what do you call your big giant that tied him down, all the wee straps? What do you call him? Gulliver, that's what I never read it, but I've seen the picture. <laughs> but Gulliver's all, all these. But I want to tell you, friends, God wants to release a giant. What it is, it's the church. He wants to break all the wee strings, all the wee things that are holding us, all the wee silly things, all the wee temporal things, all the wee things that we, God wants to break all the chains. And the giant, that's called the church, stand up in the power of the Holy Ghost. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, His chains come of his hand, gird up and bind thy sandals. So he did, and he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, get the garment of Christ on. May the mantle of the Holy Ghost be upon us. And he said, listen what he said, cast your garment about. And he went out and he followed. And he wist not that it was true which was done by the angel. Do you know, do you know that verse? Uh, that verse where it talks about and they were, we were like them that dreamed. This is what's happened. Peter's now walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. The, the prison, the chains have dropped off. The doors are beginning to open. The first ward, the second ward, the iron gate to the city, the city that's been shut up by the powers of darkness, the town that's been like iron. It's been like iron bound the hands in all these towns around us. There's a religious spirit. It's like iron. But when the power of the Holy Ghost comes on the church, the iron and the gate of the city is opened. The church walks in and the power of the Holy Ghost. And it says when the, they opened of their own accord, they went out past on 3-1 Street uh, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Verse 11 says this, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety. That the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. That word delivered is an instantaneous rescue mission by God. Do you know what I believe, friends? I believe there's a rescue mission. And God's coming for his bride. He's coming for the church. He's going to, listen, I, listen, I want to be wakened. Do you? Do you want to be wakened? Do you want God to waken you? Do you want to be smote? Are you tired of the flesh and the and the self-life and the and the weariness and the tiredness and the natural and the realm of all the possibility and all this and all that and all the other? Are you tired of listening to it all? And the enemy laughing and mocking and the reproach that there is. There's a reproach in the church. People get offended at that. I'm sorry, but there is. Because there's only one church is found in the book of Acts chapter 2. That was the church. That is the church. And that's the example for the church. But friends, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the delivering power of God. That's the delivering power. The delivering power of God that we need. We need a deliverance in this land. We really need a deliverance in this land. We need God to come. Can God do it? There's five of us believe it. Can God bring a mighty deliverance? Can he bring a mighty deliverance? Has he ever done it before? 
What's his record in this? What a record. He meets a man at the back end of a desert. Weary and tired on the journey. Looks as though he's missed God. Bit of a failure in most people's eyes. Bit of a strange type of a bloke. Bit of an out there type of person. He's 80 years old. Looks like it's all wrapped up, dusted. Time just to retire. But thank God there's no retirement in the kingdom. There's no retirement in the kingdom. And God meets him at the backside of the desert. I tell you, I believe we're right at the backside of the desert. I actually do believe that. We're at the backside of the desert. And God meets him and says to him in Acts 7.33, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Now listen to these words. The Lord said, I have seen. I have seen it. The Lord said, I've seen. I've seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt. He not only seen, listen to this, but I've heard, I've heard their groaning. Can I tell you something, friends, tonight? Do you know what I would pray? That God would tune our ears, tune our ears and anoint our eyes to see. I wonder, would you pray this tonight? Lord, anoint our eyes to see the affliction of men. Now, Lord, would you anoint our ears to hear their groaning? What would that be like, friend? Do you think that would change a prayer meeting? Do you think that would change a prayer meeting? If God supernaturally let our eyes see, let our ears hear, what he heard. Do you know every mud hut in Egypt? God heard the groan and the cry of every mother and every father and every boy and every girl. Thank God we serve a God not of stone or wood because the next part tells us this. And I'm come down. What's he come down to do? I've come down to deliver them. He delivered two million people. Now here's the question. Can he do it again? Sometimes I feel, and Sister Carol prayed it, Lord, forgive us for reducing it to 500. He's much bigger than it all. I've come down to deliver them. Now come, I want to send you. You're going to be part of this. Amazing. You know, we really need to see the delivering power of God in this hour. Would you say amen if you believe it? Sorry if I've gone on a bit longer, but I need to preach this. Do you know what we need? What do we really need? Do you know what we just need? We need God to come down. That's it. Could you not have just said at the start? <laughs> Probably could have. <laughs> but faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Why would God not come down? I've seen. I've seen the affliction of my people. I've heard. And I've come down. 2,000 years ago, he came down. 
he came down as a man called Jesus. And he took our sorrows, he took our pain, he took our agony. And he placed them all in his own son when he hung on that cross. And there he died for you and for me to bring a mighty deliverance to our lives. And he's done that, hasn't he? And what he's done for us, he wants to do for a people. I believe we need to pray for a mighty deliverance in this land. I mean, don't limit God. I mean, don't apologize for big vision and big, don't limit God. Don't bring him down to the possible. Let's believe him for the impossible. Perhaps you're here tonight. You're saying, oh, Lord, deliver me. You're here tonight. I don't know what you're in, what you're going through. I'm here to tell you, I know his grace is sufficient to bring you through it, but I'm also here to tell you tonight, he's a mighty deliverer. Whatever you're in tonight, whatever you're going through, I want to tell you something. Listen to me, friend. Whatever that messenger of Satan's whispering in your ear, because he's already at his work, already hear him. He's already busy before the preacher stops. Before the Spirit of God works in the heart, do you know what he's doing? He's already whispering, aye. He's already whispering lies in the ears. I'm here to tell you, he's a great deliverer. He'll not only deliver you, but he'll give you what you need and he'll make you what he wants you to be. He's a great deliverer, but we need deliverance across this land, don't we? Waves of delivering power in the highways and the byways. Let's stand together tonight. Praise the Lord.